and welcome to Women's Star, Dublin Lesbian Line's new podcast created to showcase the stories within the LGBTQAI community. We want you to feel included whatever way you present yourself to the world. So if you have a story you want to tell, get in touch with us at www.dublinlesbianline.ie. Today's guests, however, are Rebecca Harold and Jennifer McGee, founders of Inclusion, a social group for transgender people in Ireland. And they spoke to Laura Louise about the challenges they have faced since they began transitioning, how they overcame these challenges and why they have set up Inclusion. We began by asking them to introduce themselves. Um, hello, yeah, my name is Jennifer McGee and um, I'm from Galway. Uh, I've lived in Galway about 12 years. I'm originally from Guidoar in County Donegal, uh, which is uh, a countryside. Um, it's a lovely part of the world uh, when it's not raining. <laughs> uh, very much like Galway, really. And um, I did live in Dublin as well. Um, I lived in Dublin for probably 10 years and then moved to Galway in 2008. And I'm currently working in the regional hospital in Galway. Um, so, yeah, I think that's enough of my introduction. Great. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you. Hi, I'm uh, Becky Harold. I'm from Kilkenny. And like most places in rural Ireland, there's nothing around for me. Um, at the moment, I'm studying beauty therapy. Uh, which has been great. Everyone has been so, including the teachers, uh, principal have been so supportive of me on my journey and really enjoying it. And I go swimming most days as well. Yeah, I recently started tea blockers, so I'm really happy now to be finally on them. I feel more relaxed and I'm finally on my journey. So that's me. I'll pass you back to Jennifer. <laughs> and sorry, before we go back to Jennifer, Becky, for those that don't know, what are tea blockers? Uh, tea blockers, they block the male, I can't even pronounce the word, the male testosterone. Testosterone, yeah. You're so done with it, you can't yeah. even say it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, to stop all male functions from happening. And yeah, I'm kind of still at the stage of learning things as I'm going along myself. And for, for three days after getting it, I was very kind of nervous, I reckon. I was waking up every morning expecting to see miracles. Yeah, <laughs> and, and wondering what's is this normal? What's happening? And like I know there lately, I felt a bit maybe weight gain slightly, okay. and I was told that's normal because then when I be starting de-estrogen, things will start redistributing fat, and <laughs> then I'll have it hopefully bosoms by September. Yeah, get in your curves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. And Jennifer, was there something you felt you, you wanted to say? Uh, no, I was just going to say, I probably forgot to mention uh, my hobbies. I wasn't sure if I, um, I suppose when I started my own transition about five and a half years ago, I was starting from point zero again because, you know, I'd lost a lot of family, most of the friends. Mm -hmm. There wasn't great support networks at the time. Uh, so I really didn't know how to go about, you know, um, I suppose re-socialising myself if that's the right term for it but uh, so now five years later I suppose I'm, I have quite a, a vast amount of interest I have I do hot yoga a couple of times a week I, I'm part of a book club I'm part of a social meetup group on a Sunday which is basically coffee and a chat uh, I'm in Galway Toastmasters 
uh, for anyone who doesn't know that, that's to do with kind of self-improvement, people speaking in, and speaking in public and stuff like that. Uh, but it has been quite a tough climb back, yeah, you know, back out of the social doldrums. Um, yeah, it's, it's quite, it's, it's kind of, as I said, it's like being uh, catapulted out of a moving airplane that's the best way I can you know socially when it you know when you're starting because I think the without getting too far into it the, the social fallout can be massive you know I'll, I'll come my guys well from starting to transition certainly like you know um I think your um your own ideas about it and you know and how it's going to go uh tend to disappear obviously there's good parts as well but it is exciting but I mean there's lots of there was lots of um, tough days, mm. you know, uh, but it makes you resilient though in the long run, you know. Um, but yeah, okay. Thanks, Jennifer. And God, you're both so active. You put me to shame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so um, before we get into our topics, we're going to talk about today. You are so good to travel on a Sunday afternoon and miss your meetup um, from all the way from Galway, all the way from Kilkenny. Um, and you came to sit in the Dublin Lesbian Line offices and do this with us. So, Dublin Lesbian Line, how how did you get to know us? What made you want to do this for us? I got to know you first. I think it was last February or March. You might have to date wrong. And that was the wellness course. It was a six week course, which I absolutely found brilliant. Me other uh, girls, and at the time, because of where I'm from in Kilkenny, again, just felt so alone. There's no community there at all for LGBT people. At one stage, they tried to set up one, and each time they set it up, I was the only person that showed up. So at the end, they gave up on it, and I was starting to really feel depressed and down in myself, saying, Oh God. So then I forget, I think it was on Facebook when I seen the ad for it here. And that's when then quickly, I think it was actually on the bus on my way to an LGBT group for the first time meeting them in Carlo. When I'd seen it popped up, the email, and it was frantically trying to reply back. <laughs> <laughs> and trying to copy and paste the notebook and get things back. And, <laughs> and then when I got here then, and just, it was such a relief and really enjoyed the course. And every Monday, I'd spend all week doing business you know normal stuff and then at the back of my mind I was just thinking oh god another few days another few days I'll be up again and just used to look forward to it so much and it really helped me and I can't thank the the LL enough so yeah. thank you oh thank you it was it was great to get to know you then you were a brilliant addition and the fact that you came from Kilkenny every single Monday is incredible um thanks Becky and Jennifer would you mind saying how you got to know us yes um I think I got an email from a friend of mine who's actually uh in DLL um we were mutual friends at the time and um I uh, like Becky you know I'd kind of voice to her that you know I was struggling in Galway because again I suppose that they have a thriving enough community in Galway but LGBT community but again they are quite as I say the age you know to be very mainstream kind of I don't know 18 maybe up 25 30 you know again uh which I felt like I was kind of falling through the cracks there was nothing for me but then I um, I'm seeing this email and uh, to be honest I didn't even know it was the workshop I just thought we were going up to just have a chat and all that but then when I landed and I remember when I walked in and I seen all the goodies and all the sweets I thought oh this is going to be a good day and 
Uh, yourself, uh, Laura, you were so welcome. I'm like, and I'd never actually experienced a welcome like that in my life. And I've been to groups before where you just kind of go in and go, oh, no, no, just sit there and you're quite pensive and nervous. But th that was never there. And it was like they could s you could see inside their heads what we needed. You know, on the day, the questions, I think the questions that came up, I'm sure because yeah. Becky was there, that they were like, going, yes, that's the kind of things I want to know. That's the kind of things we want to we want help with or something like you know and uh it's what i think we just we talked to her this is, it was one of the best days i've had since my since i started transitioning it was a fabulous day and there was i think there was 20 people they were all lovely we went down at lunchtime we all had a great chat there was plenty of laughter and fun and lots of drinking afterwards i think i think mm -hmm. uh but the whole day was fabulous but i i just have to i can't thank dll enough like for uh putting the whole event on first it was fantastic and um i'm eternally grateful for it i have to say oh, jennifer you're so good thank you that was actually one of our we, we do a lot of events and a lot of courses that's how we met becky through our wellness course and that finding your community day you're talking about that was back in october 2018 which we have the funding to put another one on about so delighted um that is definitely one of our favorite things we've ever put on it was a, it was it was a special day yeah, it just felt like magical or something it, it was really brilliant i think there was such a level of i think there was such a level of honesty from that group because yeah. i remember when we went in and we were all like oh god who's going to speak yeah. first not me yeah. and then when you just because i do remember becky speaking up and my god i thought fair play to you know because I'd still find it quite intimidating because obviously you don't know people and I would have done wellness. I did a wellness course in the HSC in Galway in Merlin Park and uh, there was that sort of pensive feeling. But as it went on, you know, obviously when people opened up, you felt like you had a kind of um, a kind of collective uh, connection mm. to each other. You know, we'd all, everyone was opening up and uh it was lovely then at the end, you know, because the questions and it was nice actually to get out what you were really looking for and what, you know, what you wanted as opposed to going into a group and just talking and talking about issues. I don't know, I suppose that darn weren't really that relevant to you, you know, whereas this really centered more on, you know, what people individually are looking for, you know. And um, so the two of you here are here today. And the reason I asked the two of you to come in at the same time is because you actually made friends that day. Didn't you? Yeah, I remember that day when I walked into the room and well, sat down on the course and uh, meeting everyone. And during the, the first two or three minutes, I made contact with Jennifer. And then Jennifer started speaking. And as the day was going along, I got a community connected with this person. And this person is on the same journey. And she's isolated, kind of like me in the rural area. So I said, I really hope I get to talk to Jennifer. Like, And uh, lucky enough, I came to lunchtime. And I think it was trying to pack up quick and trying to get down so I'd get a seat beside her like <laughs> so lucky enough we ended up getting a seat beside each other and just chatting away and then just to meet the other women that were there that day and it was just fantastic I really loved it and then of course a few of us then headed off the street 66 which was my first time so I have to go back again <laughs> and then when I was there they met up at another trans person that, uh, from Dublin that I have never met but just in contract through Facebook so lucky enough that day she happened to be in Street 66. So we finished back in McDonald's before I got my bus home. <laughs> Sounds like the perfect day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how did you two manage to stay in touch? I know sometimes people meet and connect straight away, but then they're afraid to take that next step. No, I think we, um, I think we swapped as far as I can remember now. 
because I know I had quite a bit to drink that night. But I was just on a high, like, because then I met up with a lot of people from DLL and the Mach, and we went there, and like, it was a fabulous night. Uh, but I, I, I remember, like, we had you'd made such an impression on me, Becky, that you know, I thought, uh, and the whole day, and then. I was I was kind of thinking the same as you. I think I thought I hope I get to sit beside her now, like you know, because she's this she's a really genuine, nice woman, and I want to hook up with her and see. Because you'd said you know you were struggling where you were, and I thought oh thank God it's nice to actually meet someone around my own age was, uh so, but I think I think we swapped numbers and then we were on WhatsApp because yeah. I'm not I think I said this to Laura I'm not big into uh, social media you know. I think when you ask me, like, how do I meet people? I just say, oh, I just kind of wander, you know, socially. I go into pubs or places, you know, and just start talking. I would be quite sociable, but because of the WhatsApp thing and the number, I think it that, that friendship took off instantly, you know. We could tell, and it, and it was effortless. So, you know, there was, yeah. it was never forced, like, you know, uh, and we had a lot in common anyway. And, um, yeah, so it's going from stent to stent, all right? I suppose one thing that was that was quite apparent from uh, our early our early discussions on the phone was that um you know we said if we're lonely you know and you know we feel marginalized um as transgender women surely to god and my friend in Galway as well is the same surely to god there must be more people around the continent like this so we felt there was a need you know there was certainly a need out there to try and get a group up and run for all the transgender people um so we took the plunge, you know, we started, I think it was last week there and we didn't do a lot. I suppose me and my silent partner didn't do much, mm. but Becky uh, has got the name, you know, it's, we have the website up and running uh, and we have, we've got a fair bit of feedback. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, the page is called Inclusion. It's on Facebook. You'll find it just tap in Inclusion and you should find us. Yeah, we're hoping to meet up uh, once, maybe every one, once or twice every month. And we're hoping then to eventually then, we our aim is to kind of, because other people like us in rural areas in Ireland feel so isolated and alone. I've been in contact with people from Kerry, Connemara, all different parts of Ireland. And like us, they feel isolated. So we'd like to see the group move from county to county. And hopefully, please God, in a few years, it'll inspire other little groups to, to spring up and develop from there. And just to, inclusion, yeah, just to bring us together. And said so at the moment, we just feel the mainstream groups in Ireland for transgender people doesn't care for the older people. We just feel our life experience is totally different and we can't make that connection. So, yeah, so this is really what we want to do is just to help reach out and bring other uh, women and trans men like ourselves just together. And yeah, I love that you're moving it around the country, but also, as we see in the helpline a lot, a lot of people when they're especially in the early days of coming out and transitioning, they don't really want to go to something in their own county, especially in a more rural area. They would actually kind of like to travel where they can have a little bit more anonymity or feel a little bit safer. Um, Becky, is it? Um, is it a what what kind what kind of setup will it be like a little social or? Yeah, we think for more to be it? like starting off social, like but still by being social and meeting people and be friends with them. And also, we know be able to support each other, like myself and Jennifer are now. Like we went to the group finding my community, and from that, like we developed a friendship and were able to support each other 
like they recently when I was going up for a first appointment for my endocrinologist, uh, Jennifer accompanied to that. So like it's just yes, yeah, just for friendship, socialize, and just to really to help people that feel isolated and to feel and for people that feel alone, just to let them say that we're out here too. You're not alone. Like I always thought I was alone where I am. Sometimes I think I still am. I think I'm the only person, and I'm the only person I know of where I'm living. And I'd love to meet somebody else that's going through the same and to help others to pay back. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. So, uh, Becky, you spoke at an event that we did last year and you were absolutely fantastic. Thanks. Uh, oh, if you are comfortable with it and you you don't have to say, but it would, yeah. is there anything that you would um, be comfortable sharing about your what do you call it? You're jumping out of the closet. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, and how you, you, you spoke about how you, uh, you found people through your course and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I suppose a quick flashback to the last year and a half, maybe. Yeah, a lot has happened in that year and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like a lot of trans people, then I kind of don't think backwards. <laughs> I, like I, first I came out to my friend after her, I came out to my sister's. And from there, I didn't know how my brother was going to react being a guy completely different. And he'd often make homophobic comments as I was growing up. And I thought, geez, I can't do anything. I can't see anything. How is he going to react? But she was actually amazing. He came up to me the next day and uh, asked me how I was on the news. And of course, I'm acting. Oh, not at all. And news yourself, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> and then he said, uh, Jean and Tracy were up at me last night. I know. I said, well, what do you know? <laughs> and so he just, I said it to him then, and he just, a big hug, and he said, uh, look, he said, it's okay with me. I said, I have, he said, I have loads of gay friends where I work. He said, it's fine, and any, I'm there for you anytime you need to come out with anyone else or any trouble, give me a ring. So that surprised me. And then one night I accidentally outed myself to the world. <laughs> I was on Facebook and I said, I was wondering how would my name look on Facebook. So I went in to change my name, thinking, well, I'm not that many friends really in Ireland at this stage anyway. So I said, it'll only be American friends might be up. So I changed my name on Facebook, but I didn't realize there was a rule on Facebook. Once you change your name, you have to wait a month to change it back again. So <laughs> then because growing up being trans, I was constantly hiding stuff and constantly lying about stuff. So on the spot, I was able to make up an excuse and I straight away, this is about, this is about three o'clock in the morning, I'd say. And I hopped into Facebook again, I opened up a new account and then sent out a message then to everyone, all my friends, say yeah, I was hacked. Oh. <laughs> and then of course a few days later one of your American friends messaged me back and she said I seen that on Facebook she said you weren't hacked were you and I said no <laughs> <laughs> so, so from that then I was terrified oh god how was the rest of my family I didn't want them finding out from a third person like so then I started telling my aunts and uncles and one of the uncles turned his back I haven't heard from him since uh, I'm dead to him more or less and never darkened my door again so then I was talking to one of my sisters about it. I said, look, how often do you see this person? And I said, true, maybe once or twice a year. So I often think it was always the back of my mind, but I know hopefully sometime might change. 
because I would have grown up with this person as a child, like, so it would have been always close. It was actually my godparent. So, uh, and from there then, yeah, so I agreed with my sisters. This was back in October 2017 that I wouldn't do anything until after. I agreed with them until January. So, of course, uh, New Year's Eve night, I struck a, struck a 12. I jumped out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> so, like Cinderella, <laughs> I changed. <laughs> so, I uh, just went on to Facebook then and messaged all my friends and just said, I'm out and this is me. That's incredible, Becky. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> so I was expecting a few to maybe get a surprise or whatever, but no, most of them aren't a bit shocked. <laughs> 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 it wasn't news to a lot of them. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, so then after hopping out of the closet, I, I had seen my GP before that, actually, months before that, I went to my counsellor. And said that her ex, I go to another mental health group, which is called Grow, which is I was basically going for anxiety, not realizing this is where it was all stemming from. So the second meeting I had with her, she stopped me, said, before you do anything, I have to say something to you. And I said, is everything OK? And she said, yeah, she said, I just I want to let you know, she said, before before you even opened your mouth, she said, eh, that first day I knew the gender issue was going to come up. And uh, I just thought to myself, Jesus, I thought I was hiding as well. <laughs> so constantly throughout my life, I would have been dropping hints like buying girly clothes or trying to grow my hair and still no one was getting the hint. So <laughs> like even there lately, I had someone visit my room and I have a big, huge uh, frame picture of a fairy. And I said, I still didn't even get the hint when I seen that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, from there then, February... Well, then I was in talk then at this stage with my GP. He was being really helpful. And lucky enough, there was another patient who turns out was a facilitator in Elva group that I go to, who's trans as well. So it was like the two of us are training our doctor how to treat trans people. <laughs> so uh, she got me on the road. And then I was saying to her, well, what can I do? I'm tired of waiting for this endocrinologist and the whole stuff. So I started getting laser therapy. Then I had the laser therapy done. I said, what's going to do now? And that <laughs> so then I went off and the big thing was change my names. One, especially my younger sister who would be the oldest. Well, she's the youngest, but she's the boss of the family. And she didn't want me to change my name. Because she, I think, she said it's too early. Afraid I might change my mind or something. But to her, I think she was afraid of losing. So I got to a stage, I said, look, I'm filling out forms and I'm in a different course and People know me as Becky, but I said, if I get a form that's official, a government one, I have to use my old name. So then I went back to her and I said, I wrote her a message on, on Facebook and explained it to her. And then she said, OK, I understand. So then I changed my name, I adopted the courthouse for courts. That was a bit of a thing. And then from there, I straight away then applied for my new birth cert. Then two weeks later, I applied for gender recognition. And then I got on to Tinny then and other people trying to figure out how do I get my new passport. So the easiest way of getting the passport, just for anyone that's stuck like me when I was trying to get advice on that, you have to basically apply as a new person and just slip in your old passport if you want. And just make sure you put in clothes for some reason to want the original copy 
of your gender recognition cert. Because if you're like me, I just sent him a copy of it. But then I got a letter back saying they wanted the original. And I was afraid to send the original in case it'd be lost. Yes. And then the other thing that's come up, I had me last year with the last referendum you had, which I can't remember what it was about. <laughs> I couldn't vote because uh, my name wasn't changed on the registry. I thought your name was automatically changed on all government things. Because I remember for the record, I'm going to try to remember the referendum. Between the, um, the referendum on abortion. No, yeah, I think it was that Blasphemy? one. Blasphemy? No, I think it was the abortion one, yeah. <laughs> I had to go and vote for that one. I, I, I arrived at the polling station, they gave me a passport, it was my old passport. They looked at the old passport and they looked at me and they said, but that's not you, why are you giving me this? Yeah. So like myself and a lot of trans people, then I had to come out again. So I suppose my hardest, one of my hardest things since I came out was with my gym because uh, when I had joined them, I hadn't given them my new name. My, like my name now, Rebecca. So I said, what do I do? So I went in and didn't say anything to them. And then about two months later, I came out to them. But I had my name officially changed. I explained to them I didn't know what to do when I joined because my name wasn't officially changed. So they had said, okay, they change, but they wanted me to still use the male changing room. And so I had agreed because... I'm, I just tried to make things easier for other people, as opposed to myself. So then I came, I think it was three, it was around June or July. I got to the stage where I couldn't handle it anymore. I was one night, I always remember I got one man to stop me in the changing room, asked me, why am I doing there really aggressively? And I just said to myself, keep walking, keep walking. And then he stopped me again and look around and the whole dressing room was looking or I'd be blow drying me here and one night was sorry I ever done it. I looked into the mirror and I could see all the heads from all around the dressing room just staring over at me. Or another day in the tile I, get, I used to always get changed in the tile. I won't get changed with the rest. It's an open plan thing. And I could hear two guys talking to the girl in the dressing room. Did you notice that? And one of the I just carried on. I was happy to hear him saying it at the same time I was kind of getting nervous. So then I went to the the management and I said it to them again. So then there was meetings going on for about two or three weeks. What what were they going to do with me? And at this stage, I went down and I gave them copies of my gender cert. Gave them copies of everything that I had any official documents just to let them know this this is real life. This is me. So eventually then they agreed. Well, they said, yeah, if you have men stopping you all the time, you don't see anyone stopping in the women's. So I had showed them then because I watch a great show I'd recommend to anyone I didn't think I'd find it helpful called I Am Jazz. It's about a young teenager that's transitioned fully now. And she wore a swimsuit and a little swim skirt. So I showed them the picture and I said, look, I took a picture of myself in it in the mirror and I said, look, this is what I'll be wearing. So they accepted it then on condition that I'd go in on a three month trial. So for that three months, every time I'd see a worker coming out onto the floor area of the pool my heart was going like jaws thinking this is it I'm going to be kicked out what am I going to do so people used to say to me well why don't you go somewhere else why don't you go to a different gym there's one up the road and at this stage I just said no I said I can't this one uh, why can't you and I said because I'm not doing this for me anymore 
It's for sorry. It's for every other transgender person out there that comes after me. So from after that, then, uh, uh, yeah, I started. Yeah, I passed the three months trying and they allowed to let me use it. And uh, very first day they allowed me to use it. I was starting a beauty therapy course in Kilkenny, which has been amazing. Again, it's something I always wanted to do, but I couldn't because I would have been questions asked. So it was easier never to do it. So now I'm able to do it and everyone has just been so supportive and the friends and family. Of course, the first thing that popped up was after the first week, one of the tutors caught me aside and said, we need to talk to you for a minute. And I said, yes, do you know you can talk to me about anything if it's to do with transitioning? And she said, it is actually. She said, this is the problem that's coming up at the toilets. And I said, what's up at the toilets? We want to know where, what toilet, uh, do you want to give you a separate toilet? I'd be using the teacher's uh, female toilet. I said, why am I using that? I said, that's surrogation. She said to me, which toilet has it been using? I said, I've been using the ladies all along. So she just laughed at me and she said, that's fine. So so was she trying to be supportive or was oh, she, she trying was. to separate you? Oh, she was being supportive. And then like, I met up with the principal because I had to see him. And I said to him, I believe there's a problem with the toilets. And he apologized and he said, look, he said, that was really my fault. He said, it shouldn't have got out of a hand like that. He said... Really, he said, we should have called you in in the summer and ironed this out. But I said, if you're happy using that, we're happy too. So, no, they've been very afraid. And then I'm dyslexic as well, so to get, get me a computer and all that business. So, it's great. Oh, Becky, you're so woman. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's amazing. I think yeah. that, that example of your college shows that lots of time people are trying to be supportive. But instead of asking someone what they need, they go and do what they think they need. And yeah. instead, it makes things worse for the person where they just asked you in the first place, hey, Becky, what toilets do you want to use? Yeah. You know, yeah. there wouldn't have been an issue. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that it got resolved and that they apologized as well. Yeah. No, they've been, no, like really good. Like, and like certain I... subjects would come up because I'm doing beauty therapy. Uh, one of them came up with waxing, with bikini waxing. <laughs> and I thought, Jesus, what am I going to do here? So, <laughs> looking at nothing, I went to the tutor again and said to her, look, I'm really worried about this bikini waxing. So, like, it's done very discreetly and also she said, look, I can do one of the girls and they were fine letting me work away doing whatever I needed to do. And I just said, at the moment, I said, I don't feel I can get it done in myself. So they were happy with that. But next year now is going to be the bigger challenge because... I haven't had my operation yet and it's going to be Brazilian waxing and everything next year. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great fun next year. <laughs> um, how were your classmates when you came out to them? Yeah, they're grand. It was the first day I had, I had an appointment in the afternoon and I came back the next day. One of my friends said, you'll be going mad. Everyone introduced themselves yesterday. And she said, I know how much that meant to you. So I suggest, so I called one of the tutors aside after one of the classes and said it to her. I said, I believe everyone had introduced, I really needed to do it. And she said, do you really want to like? And I said, what do you want to talk about? And I said, just who I am like, the transition. And so I came out to the class and just said it to him, gave him a story, brief story and wrote a poem. Of course, it was crying during that. And then... <laughs> Uh, I just said to everyone, I said, I wanted to get this out now that I feel like I'm the elephant in the room. And one of the girls just replied, there was ne never, 
There was never an elephant in the room. So yeah, it just went really good and everyone has just been so welcome and supportive the whole way journey. I think that yeah, as they as they should be. Yeah. Um but you know, it's still you there's still the experiences like the ones you had in the gym to make it stand out when people are supportive. Yeah. Thank you so much, Thank Becky. You. Um, and you gave some really helpful tips and insights there, I think, for anybody that's yeah. at the start of their journey. Or um, And thank you for making a stand in your gym as well. We know that not everybody's able to do that, and but sometimes somebody has to. So it was really, really brave of you. Thank you, Becky. Um, and Jennifer, um, if, you, if you don't mind, you were telling me earlier how when you first came out, you went over to Manchester. Um, yeah, I suppose I went over to Manchester, I think, in the summer of 2003. 13 uh, I'd gone to so I'd started off I suppose I came out very late I kind of hugely underestimated it I'd been across this for years but I'd never had the courage to you know go out in public but I think as time went on then you know the the impulse or the urge became great I had to go out I had to know one way or another whether I wanted to live or not so I, I thought I went to Manchester and there was there was I suppose there was dressing services there and Part of that dressing service is that you get dressed, you know, and they do up the hair and the nails and all that stuff. But they would also go out with you, you know. And the, uh, so I, I, there was a group in Manchester called Manchester Concord. And um, so when I had my makeover done all that, uh, I got a taxi to the restaurant. And I remember coming out of the car and my knees were bumping in there. I looked like I was drunk already, even though I didn't have a drop. And there was these two girls waiting for me from the group uh, from Manchester Concord. And they welcomed me and... The three was one in and we sat down and had spaghetti bolognese. But as I said, it's never a good idea if you have a big, long, blonde wig on. <laughs> I was still eating my dinner about three hours later <laughs> to the hair. But um, they were fantastic. So that was the first inkling anyway. And that was such a liberating experience, I think. And it was and wasn't because I kind of knew then, you know, things are going to. It took me by it took me. It was such a shock to my system. Because I thought I could, maybe I thought I could contain it. I didn't think I was giving it the respect it deserved. I'd suppressed it so long for so many years, but then that, then it was open. Uh, as I said, um, you know, the floodgates were open a bit then. And then when I went back, um, so then of course, well, I should mention that I've worked in the regional in Galway for twelve years. So then when I came back, um. So I had no idea what I was going to do. So I sat down and the best plan I could come up with was, well, look at, put on your female clothes, go into work. <laughs> or, well, actually, I said, I'll go into Galway Town the first weekend. Now, when I say wearing clothes, my God, um, <laughs> the clothes I bought, I bought these, I bought these um, silicone implants. And I wanted to put in size 28, but actually I hit the wrong digit and it was size 38. So when they landed, it was like two basketballs. <laughs> and I wore them out in Galway in a little tank top. My dress sense is, well, I don't know, it's not great now, but it wasn't, it was non-existent then. So I don't know, I probably looked like somebody who was trying to be 15, a 15-year-old girl, you know, into a 45-year-old body. Um, so I was getting a lot, uh, you know, people were doing a lot of staring, but... The great thing about it was, though, it answered a question for me very early on. I did actually feel very relaxed and comfortable. I said, this is if this this feels right. This feels right. 
Um, and then, of course, there was the work part. So I remember I walked into work and I had on a pair of women's jeans and a pair of um, ankle boots. And uh, that was probably one of the most terrifying <laughs> experience of my life because I would run into probably, you know, over 100 people a day because I cover most areas of the hospital, like around collecting charts. And um, that was, I'd say the first two years was uh, just about going in. And it was about existing, really, because I, I said I had no idea how to handle it. When I went in with the clothes issue, they had no idea how to handle it. My manager took me in and said, um, um, yeah, she said, um, are you feeling OK? And then I said, well, I said, I, I'm not sure. I said, you know, um, and they said, so there was all these rumors. Oh, you're are you gay or are you having a live, live midlife crisis and all that? Now, I hadn't told them anything. Because there was no such thing as a dress sense or anything as far as I knew in the hospital. But after a while then I kind of said to them, well, I said, I'm living, I'm, li I'm, I'm living as a woman now and all that. And they were like, right, so will you become wearing miniskirts and all that? Because, you know, we need to know, you know, we can't, like, we need to know what size or what you're going to be wearing. And I kind of said, well, I don't think you can ask me that. I said, but don't worry, I said, it'll be, it'll be, um. It'll be work appropriate. Work, work appropriate, yeah. Um, so they were like, okay, but they still, they were, they hadn't a notion. Um, I had, yeah. Of course, the, the first issue came up was the toilet issue. Of course, you know. Uh, so for about three or four weeks, I was going around, and I told my manager, like you know, um, who really, I think, found the whole thing quite distasteful. Uh, she wasn't supportive whatsoever. Um, in regards to the staff. That, yeah, that was, um, some people were okay, but it was like, uh, I, I don't know what the best way is like, something like just an explosion within the department. Some people weren't reacting well, some people were, some people weren't talking. Some people didn't know whether to approach me or not. Uh, and I suppose at the time, Tenny came down and they gave a few talks, which was very prevalent at the time. I'll come back to them. Um, and... I say, yeah, the first, I suppose the hardest thing then, of course, and the biggest uh, problem I have and still currently have is the misgendering and the mispronoun, which goes on quite a bit. Um, and then for, for anybody that doesn't know what misgendering oh, sorry, yeah. is, would you mind? Like, yeah, so they don't, uh, they would misgender me. So I, uh, I live as a woman. So they would say, oh, he's coming up now to collect those charts or one of the worst ones I think is when I go up and I go up in the elevator and I hold the door and someone say hold the door there for me buddy or thank you sir or stuff like that now I don't I wouldn't say to the patients because obviously they're not trained but I suppose the worrying part is that it's mainly staff that's doing it um, and for, and I suppose going back to my own area the staff has changed over the last five or six years so it's all new staff they're quite up to date Uh but there hasn't really been any proper training since in about the last two, two and a half years. Um, the Tenny's last five, six talks have all been cancelled. So that sort of left me in no man's land with the mispronoun. And now, it is psychologically damaging because it was happening at such a rate. Like, So I made a record. I think it happened 15 times in one month. And then some days it can happen four or five times or once or twice. And people react three different ways I found so if people misgender you they'll 
they'll, can, they'll automatically change the subject. So if I said, oh, you misgendered me there. Oh, and we'll see you again tomorrow. Or they'll apologize, which is okay. You know, they'll say, oh, sorry about that. And I'm saying, okay, that's fine. Or they can get quite, um, they don't take it well at all, you know, from being corrected. And um, they can get quite, um, well, yeah, they're, they're just very, uh, they can be a bit bitchy about it or they can be very ne negative about it then. And then the next time around, they won't talk. So I went to my managers and I said, you know, there's a big problem. We need to get proper training and we need to get Tenny in. Uh, and they were like, I said, what's my options? And they basically said, the only option open to you is to take a grievance against these people. I said, I'm not taking a grievance against staff because of lack of training. And I think the way the structure is set up within the HSC is that um, there's no accountability. Nobody takes any onus for anything that's happening. So in their case, uh, so of course, I tried I tried, tried the union. I tried the union in their impact. And they said to me that they were too busy with the housing crisis thing. So that's, you know, they said, we'd love to help you, but we can't. Because I thought that would be an avenue to, you know, to it could trickle down to all their members. But that that became a dead end. So um, there was another woman then that I contacted. She was going to help me. That came to nothing. So I think I got to a stage in there. Um, I, I remember um, standing in the middle of the sortroom one day and I said, stop now. Stop now. I said that's enough because I was still amazed, like that there was nothing coming. Um, you know, people come. Well, well, I'll look into that. Yeah, how'd you get on? I think I hit. I locked horns with the head of HR because, you know, she said she helped to write the policy. Um. So I got quite animated one day. You know, after being misgendered, and I said a policy is only as good. I said. It's the, uh, I said that it's only words on a paper. I said, unless they've been enforced. And um, she said, well, sure, look, at." she said, if you've corrected people, you, what's the problem? She said, sure, the next time around, they won't do it. And she says, even if they do get training, sure, they might still do it. And I said, I can't believe this. I said, if they're, I said, it's not up to me to keep correcting them. I said, do you realize how traumatizing that is for me? So, of course, then they said, well, do you know, get on to Tenny and that. So, um, I did say I'd come back to them now. I mean, I've had dealings with Tenny over oh, a period of two years, two and a half years. Uh, unfortunately, you know, and they do a lot of good work, you know, and they, you know, they're important. They're an important organization. But personally, I've I haven't had good experience with them. So then that's when I stopped. That's when I said, OK, you're at point zero now in here. I've got nowhere with the union, nowhere with HR. Got nowhere with Tenny. Uh, so you know maybe that's that's one of the reasons as well I'm here you know obviously we're here for people of our own age but uh, you know I've I felt like I'm trying to hold the tide back with the toothpick in that place you know um, it's like it's open season when you go upstairs people do it and do it and do it and of course they're apologetic or there's those three ways to reply but I'm so incredibly disappointed in the external lack of support and externally um thing as i said i got to a stage where i thought i'm gonna have a i'm gonna have a breakdown here because i i wasn't coping well and i was actually reacting i wouldn't say hostile but i was getting quite animated so it was like the situation was left where if something happened there could be a row ensuing or there'd be words spoken and this was going on then and this was going on and 
um, I thought I'm not going to last here much longer if I don't put something in place. So I said, I need to look after myself. So I, of course, you know, I've always been a big, I love spirituality and positivity. You know, I love Abraham Hicks, Louise Hay, you know, they're all. So I thought, get back to the core, get back to the basics. And remember, you want to be the best woman that you can. So from listening to all those talks and I, I threw it back. So if people misgendered me or mispronounced me, I thought, OK, it's happened, but you've got to react you have to mind yourself now. So don't. So I'm trying to be less reactionary. But at the same time, trying to cope with the massive disappointment of the lack of support now. Um, so that's where I'm at at the moment. You know, I'm working very hard on that. Um, and most days, you know, it's, it's, it's good, but you can only bend so far, you know, till your principle. And then, as I said earlier, do I want to, I don't want to leave without at least having tried to change things in there, you know, but know, uh, we need to get, right. we need to get, we need to get something sorted out in there. And um, yeah, so hopefully the sooner the better, you know. Absolutely. Um, and before we finish up, um, you mentioned earlier about kind of difficulties that you've had to overcome or are still trying to overcome as is your case, Jennifer. Um, how do you how do you how do you mind yourselves? What are your self care things? How do you? I mean, you've used the words resilient earlier. How do you build that up and keep going? Uh, well, yeah, and I mean, I've, I have I say I find them very very um, helpful in my own way. Like I mean, I said I I do like listen to um, Abraham Hicks, you know, positivity talk. So I had, as I said, I had to come up with a plan a few weeks ago, you know, and I thought, oh, you know, oh, can I stay working in here? And I thought. You know, yeah, so I went home and I put a plan together. So I'd listen to one in the morning, positivity talk, you know, changing your life, changing your outlook, changing uh, reaction, reacting to people. Same thing, last thing at night, put one on. In the meantime, then doing the yoga twice a week. Um, reading books, obviously, doing the Toastmasters. So, and I looked at all the things that I enjoy doing. Um, and just generally being a nice person. I thought, just because this happened... It isn't your life, you know, and I thought, don't get consumed too much with it because at the end of the day, it's only happening in one specific area, maybe, you know. So I was able to, I was supposed to departmentalize it like that in a way. And uh, that certainly helped me now. Um, obviously, you know, I like to think of myself as a social person. I joined that, uh, th there's so many social groups in Galway, my God, you know, uh, it's, God, you, you could, you wouldn't be able to work if you had to go to them all. <laughs> But that, that's brilliant, though, I think in this day and age, you know, with the tool, you know, the internet tool is fantastic, you know, especially that side of it's so wonderful. Um, it just yesterday I went to a, an author's, the Kirch Festival in Galway in August, there's a festival on every week in Galway and being a book reader, you know, like I did go to a book reading yesterday, which is brilliant and, you know, it's great to meet people like me, people like as well who are into reading and reading books and stuff. So I suppose my horizons have broadened. Um You see, the thing with this one, uh, I don't want to go back to it, but when, like, I suppose what I'm, the work I'm doing in the hospital now is kind of half clerical, which is, you know, predominantly female and the other half still male. And that's the part, you know, I'm, I've sort of moved on mentally from the male part, but then when I go and I'm doing it on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, basis, it doesn't feel right to me. So as part of my growth and things to help me, I am trying to obviously, you know, re train maybe in a clerical position because I, I was I, I was hired as a, a male porter uh, so I'm trying to change that now by uh, going we'll have to look at the whole um, thing of 
um, transgender people, you know, what's appropriate when you're so far down the line transitioned? We need to look into that in the workplace as well. That doesn't seem to have been touched either, unfortunately. And uh, that leaves you in, that leaves you in no man's land, really, uh, because you you want these changes to, to be implemented. But really, in my case, I'm just doing them myself on a day to day basis. No one's come near me. No one's asked me. Um, and when I'm questioned about it, I have to stand my ground and say, no, I'm doing this because this is helping. They're going, all right. Oh, is it? And you know, yeah. uh, so, but yeah, there are a lot of those things that I just said, they helped me. And, um, I like listening, to, uh, I like humor and comedy is a big thing to help. So I do watch a lot of funny things. I tried to, I watched out numbered there last week, you know, that British show had just came up, uh, you know, about the couple with the young kids, but it's great because the kids are so funny, like, you know, and they're more like the parents, but I, for me, that's a great tool. And Becky did mention the wellness course earlier. Uh, it's a brilliant course because they ran them in the hospital. They say, I think it's similar maybe to the ones you you did, but I'm sorry I didn't go on it because I, there was probably a different perspective on that one, but they're hugely, hugely uh, helpful. Uh, one of the good things the HSE run. And I'd just like to say that there's a lot of good people working in the hospital, but again, it's the lack of training and stuff like that that's letting us down. But yeah, it's, but all those other things, yes, they're very, very helpful. And always having a good outlook and a positive outlook. And I say, glass half full that's my motto you know thank you so much that's a really holistic and healthy approach um and 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 full because it looks like you're you know working on your self-care in all areas of your life not just in one or two um you are very good humored and funny and um (laughs) but (laughs) (laughs) but also i think i think it's great that both of you as well are and i know not everybody is in a position to do this or is that kind of person but you're Um, taking your experiences where you see something is missing and you're using them to make changes, which I think don't feel good at the time. But afterwards, when you've made that achievement and you've changed things for the better for other people, I think it's incredible. Um, Thank you. Becky, what what were you going to say? You have a list, I see. Oh, I was just trying to... I had your question, so I was trying to write them down as I could remember. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, just things that have helped me, help you, like, that that helps me transition. It'd be family. Meaning my nieces and nephews. There are times I'd be down and I'd go and visit them and they just cheer me back up to a tonic. And also into exercising, mainly the gym, I go swimming every day. And then there'd be also the cinema, which I'd go once a week with my friends, relieved from stress and anxiety from the exams. So that helps to relieve that. And then also by joining the protest whatever in Dublin or you know fighting for trans rights and the this is me campaign uh, which I find fantastic especially now they finally got to get a confirmed meeting with our health minister at long last long overdue and then other things that would help me at the start uh, when I'm still in the early stages of transition was again the program I am jazz you presume you'll find her on YouTube and the other one that and the controversial one, Caitlin Jenner's show, I Am Kate. But for me in that show, it wasn't Kate herself. It was the other trans women on it that were asking her questions or like they were informing her about changing your passport and stuff. And like that's one again, I thought, oh God, I never thought of passports or talking about when you're getting rid of your male clothes to your female clothes. And like me, I would have had a little cry of as I was doing it. Because part of the process is still like the other person done nothing wrong, but it's time, it's, this is your time now. 
this is how who you were. That's beautiful, Becky. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Thank you so much. And yeah, just uh, yeah, tr uh, watch another show like that might appear in the telly. Like RT had one called uh, Trans Life, I think was the name of it. Then you had one on Channel Four there lately, the making for me. Really and yeah, ones like that just. Because you're watching the stories and you're able to write and it really helps and inspires you just to keep going on the journey. Thank you so much. And the very last thing I want to ask you, um, if there is anybody listening that is not out yet or at the early stages of coming out or transitioning, what would you tell them or what would you look back and tell yourself at that stage? Um, well, uh, the first thing I would say is don't be too hard on yourself. You know, you'll make loads of mistakes, but um, you'll also... Make a lot of right. Uh, you'll also do a lot of right things. Like you know, I think as you said earlier, half the half the half the enjoyment is learning from the mistakes. Um, there's so many brilliant things to look forward to. Like, and I think I know people who are out there and they're vulnerable. And um, you know, that's how we met. You know, like have you know? I think if you have a little, if you have the tiniest bit of courage, you know, um, you know, do try and meet up with other people. You know, and you will find there is nice people out there. You know. Um and um yeah, never give up. Like you know, if, just remember, there's there's other people going through things as well. Like you know, but you're not on your own. That's all I would say. Like you know, we're all fighting the fight on some front, some way or another. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, like we'll all, we'll all try and get behind each other. You know, if we can help each other a bit, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, just there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's hard as it seems, and yeah, just. You will get to some number of times in the journey. It's like a roller coaster. Emotions is mainly positive. Like I've never had so many friends. I've never done so many things. I never thought I would have been sitting here. And things that you think are impossible can come true. The creators of this podcast are Dublin Lesbian Lions, Laura Louise Condal and Katrina Murphy. And we would like to thank Becky and Jennifer for speaking to us for this episode. You can find more information about inclusion and upcoming meetups on their Facebook page. Dublin Lesbian Line is a confidential support service for the LGBTQAI community. If you've been affected by anything in this podcast, you can reach us at 018729911 or contact us on our online chat service at www.dublinlesbianline.ie. Dublin Lesbian Line is run by volunteers and relies on voluntary contributions, so we would greatly appreciate any financial support you can provide us. Whether it's €2 Euro or €100, Euro, it makes a huge difference to a small organisation like ours. Thank you for listening and take care.